Welcome to the Dyslexia Mom Life Podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Holcomb, a mom just like you, raising a bright daughter with dyslexia. I look forward to sharing what I'm learning on my dyslexia parenting journey with you. And remember, you are not alone. You got this. You're listening to episode 93, How to Help Your Child Self-Advocate. I was recently reminded that teaching our daughter how to self-advocate was going to be an ongoing lesson. It really is a skill that we have to continue to practice at home and school until it's more automatic. Think of it like a muscle, things that we automatically do, like driving our car, walking. These skills that we need to teach our children so they're more automatic is how I think about advocacy. There is obviously some pause and some thought processes that our children are doing, but I want this to be just as easy as, you know, raising her hand and asking for something without a thought. But right now, we're definitely not there. Let me share a little story with you. About two weeks ago, I pulled up to get my daughter at Carline and immediately noticed she was holding her hand on top of her other hand as if it was hurting. As I pulled up to Carline to get her, the teacher put her in the car and said, I think she may have injured herself at school today. And so I began to ask our daughter, what what happened at school today? And so she starts talking to me about they were playing a game in PE that morning. And she went to, I think, tag someone. And anyway, she tripped and fell and, and ended up landing. She really doesn't remember. But what I can imagine is that she ended up landing on her hand and her wrist, like bracing herself for her fall. And she didn't appear injured. Like to look at her, she didn't look injured. She didn't have any bruising, no swelling. She, you know, didn't have any scrapes or anything like that. But she said throughout the day, it started just to to hurt. And she has a pretty high pain tolerance. So even as she's telling me the story, she doesn't show any emotions of being upset or crying or even that it's painful. Just it, it kind of bothers her. So I realized that as we were having this conversation that, you know, I asked her questions about, you know, did you did you share with a teacher? Did you ask to go to the office? You know, I'm asking these questions. And it became really clear that I don't think she really wanted to draw attention to herself. And so she didn't speak up. She didn't ask to go to the office. Now, keep in mind, PE was at 10 in the morning and Caroline's at 315. So it had been several hours. And I would imagine the pain intensified throughout the day. So five x-rays later and many hours later, we find out that she has what they call a buckle fracture in her left wrist. I don't know about you, but I don't have any familiarity with a buckle fracture. So it is a type of broken bone, but it's one it's on where it's one side of a bone. It kind of bends and it raises literally like a little bucket, buckle. And it does this without breaking the other side of the bone. This evidently type of fracture is very common with children uh, around her age. She's 10 and, and children under the age of 10 because their bones are softer. They're more flexible than adults. So for us, we would have definitely gotten a, we would have broke a bone in our wrist if we had fallen like that. But hers created what was called a buckle fracture and it just bends and buckles rather than breaks. So we learned all about buckle fractures. And so that was an interesting science lesson over several days of going to an orthopedic 
specialist going to children's health care. You know, of course, this was on a Friday afternoon, and so we ended up in urgent care trying to get x-rays with a follow-up appointment on Monday. So it was several days of working through all this, having her in certain braces in her arm, trying to figure this out. And then, you know, we eventually learn. At first, she's telling us in the top of her hand, but through the x-rays, we actually see that it's actually on the top of the wrist. So, uh, you know, I say that and share that because I've, I've thought about it over the past couple of weeks here and been reflecting on the fact that she attends a very small school. There's, you know, seven, eight kids in her classroom. It's a school that's for dyslexics. And so it's a, it's a school where the environment is safe. Uh, she's been there four years. Uh, she knows the staff. And so I'm thinking through all these things. And, you know, I think about, you know, what may be easier, obvious for us as parents, you know, you need water, then you ask for water. Uh, you're hurt, you tell someone. But for our kids, for our children with dyslexia, that doesn't always, they don't always know how to go about asking for what they need. Uh, and sometimes I think in situations like this, they, they're not even sure what to say. Uh, again, she has a very high pain tolerance. So I don't know, you know, obviously she didn't recognize that she had a fracture in her arm, on her wrist, but she knew it just didn't feel right. And even when I picked her up at the end of the day, there was no bruising, there was no swelling, but she was obviously uh, had some discomfort. So I wanted to share with you a few things that I found as I was doing some research and then share with you what we decided to do at our house and in hopes that it will help you as you think about self-advocacy. Because although we can advocate for our children, and we will continue to do that their whole lives probably, it is so essential that we start teaching our children as young as possible how to be self-advocates, how to speak up for themselves, how to ask for help. And in this situation, it really brought it to light to, to, for us because I don't want her to be in a situation where she is in pain, injured, harmed, and she's not able to get the help she needs. So to me, that goes even back to just the you know, our basic life functions and being able to survive and, and being able to ask for help when, they, when we need it. And so those skills are essential to our children. And it's one thing to raise your hand and say, teacher, you're going too fast. It's another thing to raise their hand and say, I need some water. I need to go to the restroom. It's another thing to say, I'm injured. I'm hurt. I don't feel well. I need to go to the office. And all of those are examples of things that our dyslexic kids are not always comfortable doing. But every one of those are essential needs. I'm lost in class. I need help. I'm out of water. May I go get some water? At her school, they have a, a fountain where they can fill up their water bottle. So they just ask to go and they're allowed to go. There's no, no, you can't go at her school. It's not a problem. They have times where they let them go and do those things. It's just, I guess, I think calling attention to yourself in the classroom to say, I have a need. Sometimes it's just not comfortable for our children. And I think I took that for granted until this incident because I thought, we're at a school where we are comfortable and, uh, you know, it was it was not going to be uh, a concern, uh, but obviously that was not the case. So I want to share with you, if you're in that situation where you know or you feel like you need to be working on those advocacy skills, and like I said, really for all of our children, it's a skill they need. So I'm going to give you a couple examples of situations and some things that might would help at home and at school. And I'm going to start off with grade schoolers. So your children that are in the early elementary grades, and then I'm going to 
also give you a couple of examples of middle school. Our daughter's in fifth grade, so really she's kind of in between both. So I, I like examples from both areas. So, you know, if you've got kids that are young, then we're going to talk about that. But you can also come back to this episode or save this episode, bookmark it somehow to come back to it as well. So let me give you a couple scenarios and let's talk through them. So what happens when your child needs help with a problem? Let me give you an example. Let's say someone in the classroom says to your child, why do you always leave the room during reading? So maybe your child's in a school where they get pulled out for reading or they get pulled out during certain subjects. So your child may ask the teacher, you know, my friends are asking why I always leave class and I don't know what to say. Can you help me come up with an answer? So see, this is an example of self-advocacy. They're, they're identifying a concern, a problem. They're not sure how to address it. And they could do this at home too. They could even ask you and say, you know, I'm being asked why I leave class. There may be times though that your child doesn't even communicate this with you, right? <laughs> That's a whole nother episode. But, you know, when your child's able to say, I have a concern and you're able to get to the bottom of that concern. And I can see in this case that happening, you know, very common. Hey, I've got a concern. Students are asking me why I'm going to where I'm going. How should I respond to that? So you could, you know, if this comes up, it could be an example at home that you could have a conversation. Well, what is, you know, how would you talk to your teacher about this? This is not a situation where your child would need to raise their hand and say, teacher, I don't know what to say, obviously. But if it could be a conversation they had off to the side where they're transitioning from class to class or they're at recess or at lunch, you know, an opportunity where they could go up to their desk and say, hey, I really need some help with this. And they could have that conversation with their teacher. Well, what happens when your child needs help with directions or instructions in the classroom? Let's say the teacher doesn't read all the directions out loud and your child's having a hard time making sense out of the written directions, or maybe they did read it out loud, but your child wasn't able to retain it all. And now they're looking at the written directions and they're like, I just, they just didn't get it right. And I would imagine with our little dyslexics, this happens quite a bit. So what they could ask the teacher is, uh, can I talk through these directions with you? So can I talk through, how, you know, they're, they're talking through how they process them. So, so for some teachers, especially those that are not trained and understand dyslexics, they may think, oh, your child wasn't paying attention. So I like the way that this question is worded. And I got this example from understood.org. They've got a lot of great examples. This one I liked, though, because it's the child being, again, more of that proactive self-advocate. I need to talk through these directions with you. Can I talk through these directions with you? And that gives your child an opportunity to make sure and check, are they understanding the directions? And instead of just saying, teacher, repeat those, the child, with this question, it helps the child process. And so maybe you need to rework that language um, where it's appropriate language your child would use. Maybe it's teacher, you know, uh, you know, Miss Smith, can I, can I share with what I'm understanding or, or is this how I'm supposed to do this? Maybe even asking a follow-up question. Am I supposed to rewrite these, these sentences or am I supposed to write my spelling word five times? Like maybe restating that to the teacher and then she can say yes, yes or no. So there's many ways you can attack that, but just having that conversation and at home, you may hear or you can help your child self-advocate to say, you know, something along the lines of, you know, I, I get my work done when I can understand the directions, but it's hard for me when they're all in writing. And so if you have a situation where your child is expressing, I can't get my work done, or you're saying, hey, why, why are you bringing so much work home? Or why is this not complete when I get your folder at the end of the week? Why is there things that are not completed? 
um, you know, obviously not in an accusatory way. You're just asking, hey, what's going on here? And your child's like, well, it's it's hard for me. It's hard for me when when the directions are all in writing. So having your child be able to communicate to you is also a skill as to what is blocking them. And sometimes they don't know. Sometimes it's asking more questions and really listening and helping them work through that process. And so our kids are not always able to process it to a level of this understanding. So it may take a little longer and practice to get there, but we definitely should you know, be doing those things. Here are another few uh, starter uh, like question, starter sentences that you could use with middle schoolers. Um, so we're going to get to that next. But before we get there, I, I did want to pop in and talk about this real quick. So I get questions from moms who ask me, Nicole, how are you staying so organized? Well, the answer is I'm not always that organized, <laughs> but when I am, uh, it's because I'm using what's called the Full Focus Planner, and it's a planner by Michael Hyatt. And there are three things I love about these planners. I love that I get a new planner every quarter, so it's like I get a little Christmas gift every quarter, so that's really great. I love, and I've got the I've got the subscription where I get different color ones, and so like one one quarter I may get a red one, and the next one I may get an olive green one, and so it's several always fun because I'm not sure which one I'm going to get in the mail, so it's kind of fun that way. The second one is I love that the the daily. Uh, calendar that's in there. It allows me to set three priorities for the day. So there's a list on the left of three priorities and I choose those obviously, but I love that I'm limited to three because I'm a type A list maker. So I would have (laughs) ongoing list of all of the things I needed to do, but it really does force you to sit down and think about what are the three things that are on the top of my priority list? And those three things can be something for your home. They can be something at work. They can be something with your child. It, whatever your three priorities, if nothing else gets done today, what are the three things you want to get done? And those are huge. Those are very helpful. And what's great about the planner, too, is you could even, if you don't get those things done, you can just put a little arrow and move them over to the next day. So there's room there. uh, And so that's great, too. And the third thing that I love about these planners is there's space uh, on the pages. So when you open it up for the daily pages on the left, you have your priorities. You have your calendar of your times of day. You know, if you want to set your calendar there. I also have a Outlook calendar for work. This is mostly just a personal calendar for things I need to get done for the podcast or for my family. And so I don't, I put some work stuff on there like meetings and things, but I don't go into a whole lot of detail in my planner. I believe that writing it out for me really helps my brain remember and retain things. And I just love pen to paper. So that's, that's why I have those. But the third one is I love that there's space to take notes. So on the right-hand side, there's like a a page where you can jot down notes from your day. I've started kind of journaling there because I found, ask my husband, I have journals all over the place. I have just notes and and things. But it provides one place where I can jot down my thoughts. I can jot down my journal. If I want to jot down how much water I drank that day or what I ate that day, if if I'm watching those things as well. So I love that it has multiple functions and I can really make it my own. And because I just believe that this full focus planner is such an amazing tool for me as a parent and as a mom, I wanted to share that with you today and also let you know that if if you're interested in trying his planner, he has lots of different size sizes. If you want a size to slide in your purse, if you want a, a size that you can lay on your desk, 
if you want all the same color. He's got a lot of different options and then a lot of like online training even that's free. But if you're interested in trying these planners out, if you go to the link in the show notes at dyslexiamomlife.com backslash episode 93. Oh my goodness, episode 93. And I'll also put a link in the podcast description if you just want to pop down to the bottom of this description of this episode and click the link there. They're actually offering for my for my audience $10 off if you order before December 20th. And I don't know about you, but I'm already in that mindset of thinking about 2022, which seems crazy to think about. So if you wanted to take advantage of that special deal, I'll have a link in the show notes and the podcast description for my audience to get $10 off their first order if you order before December 20th. And when you go to the website, a lot of times too, they'll even have a 10% or 20% off if you subscribe to their email list. So you actually have multiple offers there as well. So thank you for your support there. Uh, also, uh, let's talk about middle school. So middle school age, and, and my daughter's in fifth grade, so a lot of these things I think relate to her as well. What happens when your child is slow to complete her work or his work? This happens t- for us a lot because we have a dysgraphic <laughs> we have a dysgraphic learner in our household. So writing assignments out takes time. So let's imagine a situation where the teacher tells the class, you need to complete your classwork before you have free time on your computer. So at school, your child could ask the teacher, you know, it may take me a little longer to read this. Or in our case, it, it may take me a little longer to write out these answers. Can I work on it at home tonight and still have some time on the computer today? Now at home... Your child may say the teacher wouldn't let me have free time today because I couldn't get all my classwork done. Can you talk to her about that? Or in our situation, our daughter was like, I didn't get a chance to have any free time on the computer during, I think it was either advisory, I think it was during their advisory period because she was still completing classwork. It just takes her a long time for the written expression piece. So... With with that being said, then, you know, we're having conversations about, you know, the fact that it's taking her longer than her friends. It's our friends are having free time and she's not. Uh, I don't know if the teachers realize that or they just think she's going to work through and get her work done uh, or if they realize she is in need of some downtime for herself just to have, you know, some, some time for her brain to re- relax for a few minutes. So we discussed it at home. How could she ask her teacher for some free time uh, while still completing her work at home? It also lets me know that when we have our parent-teacher conferences, I think it's about a week away, I also plan to share our daughter's concern then with the school and say, how can we, is there something we could do? Can we talk through this? I'm not even sure if they're aware that that's happening, uh, that advisory time is time for them to to get caught up on work and then also to have time um to do enrichment on the computers and things. And so I believe some of the work during the classwork during the week is, is how she described it was kind of held over until advisory. So those types of things, like it, that's something I wouldn't have necessarily known if we hadn't had that conversation. So listening uh, for those cues to have those conversations. And that last part that I shared with you about at-home advocacy where your child is saying, you know, I didn't get my free time because I didn't finish my classwork. And that last piece about, can you talk to her about it? We're not there yet. We got the first part. Hey, I don't have any free time. 
But even at home, she's not saying, is that something you can help me with? Is that something you can speak to my teachers about? Uh, so we're having that conversation as well. So it's all a teachable moment, you know, and, and, and for those of you who are, you know, starting your journey, um, you know, when we're on this, this uh, I know someone at school described it as a road trip, you know, we're on this road trip together and we have stops along the way. And sometimes we take the wrong turn off the exit or we, you know, find ourselves in the construction zone or, you know, a, a wreck up ahead or whatever it may look like. Um, you know, don't think just because I, I, I'm where I am and I'm bringing information and experience and things I'm learning to you, we're still right here with you. We're still learning along the way. We're still day by day also having challenges. So it's not a situation where you get up one day and everything is just perfect. That's not what parenting is about. So, um, but we are here to share and to collaborate and to, and to work together. So I hope that you feel that in the, in the podcast. Let's talk about another example. When your child needs to ask for audiobooks. So perhaps the teacher says, hey, by now, everyone should have finished reading their book. We're going to start working on our projects next week. Hey, if you haven't, for those of you who have not finished your book, be sure to do that over the weekend. So a way your child can self-advocate. These are some, you know, we're talking just about examples that you can share with your child. Your child could say something at school like, to the teacher, um, you know, this book is really tough and it's taking me longer than I expected uh, to read it. Um, is there an audio version, an audiobook version that I can use? This is especially, a, you know, an appropriate conversation to have in situ- well, all situations, but especially for teachers who may not be as aware of how to best help a child with dyslexia. So if your child needs to remind them, hey, you know, remember I'm dyslexic and so reading books sometimes is tough for me. It's taking me longer than I expected. Is there a way I can get an audiobook version of this? Now at home, your child could say something like, can we read this book together? It's hard for me, but I don't want to be the only one who hasn't finished it. So when your child asks you, hey, I'm just not going to get this book finished, you can help prompt them to say, well, what are, what are some ways we could advocate at home? Like teach them some of these skills to advocate with you to say, you know, I can't get this done. Can we do this together? This is hard for me. I don't want to be the only one not doing this. So again, not an overnight thing, something you're going to have to work at. We're working on it. And so you're going to have to work through those pieces of uh, having those conversations at home and then helping them extend those conversations into the classroom. Another example when your child is having trouble copying the notes in class, oh my goodness, I don't know about you, but so many dyslexics have trouble with this, especially our kids with executive function deficits, especially for our kids that have dysgraphia, uh, you know, or just ADHD, right? Like they just, uh, something happens and they think of something else and they go a different direction in their mind. And so it is very common that your child may have trouble copying the notes in class, so, you know, your child perhaps didn't finish, obviously, copying all the notes on the board. Uh, again, very common for dyslexics. So at school, your child could say, I couldn't read fast enough to get the notes down. You know, maybe your teacher is, is changing those slides or they're doing a PowerPoint or they're putting things on the board and they're moving it around. Um, so your child could say, hey, can I, may I have a copy of that to take home with me today? Uh, if you're in a situation where you have a 504 plan or an IEP, this might be something great to incorporate with your child's accommodations as far as getting ahead of this to ask for notes if that's necessary. 
or it could be one of those self-advocacy skills that you work on that the teacher in the school knows that you're working on these together. Uh, at home, your child may say, I'm having trouble copying the notes from the board before class ends. Can, you, can we ask my teacher for a copy of the notes or maybe a copy from my classmate, you know, a friend in class? So, you know, having those conversations at home. So how can you use some of these examples? Well, you can role play some of these, just talking it out with your child, you know, having them, well, what you know, let's role play that. I'm Miss Smith, you know, and then have them ask you the questions, you respond. Uh, another great way that you can use some of these sentence prompts is when situations arise, like I didn't get my homework done, I didn't get, you know, the free time like came up for us recently, or a situation where you know, slow to complete work, uh, need help, need audiobooks. So, for example, let's say your child came home and said, you know, the book I've been reading, there's no way I'm going to finish it this weekend. We have soccer. We're going over to someone's house to, you know, to, to have a, maybe they're going to have a party, a birthday party. Maybe they're, you know, going to see a relative, whatever. Maybe it's just that you have things planned as a family over the weekend and your child's like, there's just no way I'm going to be able to get this last hundred pages read. Uh, this actually happened to us last summer. We have book a book we have to read every summer and then do a, a book report. They look different each year. Uh, the book reports we've done, I think this year we did a cereal box book report, but we've done different types. Uh, but we got to get the book read first, right? And so we were about 100 pages off, and then finally we're like, you know what, we're going to le- use Learning Ally, which is a great resource. It was able to read to her, highlight the words as she was re- as it was reading to her, the audiobook, and she was able to get through that in probably, goodness, I'm not sure, it was an hour or so, maybe two, maybe less. It- it'll tell you, so if you have X amount of pages left to read, it will tell you approximately how long it will take you to complete that book. And so she was able to do that, and she was able to do that independently. Now, keep in mind, her school supports that. It's not a problem. And so uh, you either need to have that incorporated in your plans with your school, or, you know, it's fine for your child to advocate that they need that help. So it's also a, a conversation that may need to be had with the school so they're familiar with why, why your child's asking for this. But I say that to say when your child says, you know, I, it looks like I'm not going to have time to finish my book, you know, my book for the weekend. Then you ask the question, well, what, you know, what, what can you do about that? And then, well, hey, what about asking your teacher, is there an audio book? Or is there one, you know, maybe your school uses Learning Ally or something like that. Is there, you know, is there another option there? And so then they're like, oh, I hadn't thought of that. And so they can go back and ask. Now, another piece that I think is so essential, too, and and I talk a good bit about just building relationships with your child. So I think it's important for us to spend more time listening than trying just to solve the problems. And, And that's hard for parents. That's hard for us. Like you want to be able to, you know, help your child. You want them to be able to not stress about things. You want them to um, know that you're there to support them. But sometimes they really just need us to listen. And so if you spend more time listening to what they need and then checking back. So what I think I hear you saying is it was a tough day, right? And, you know, just validating the feelings that they're having not uh, what many of us do automatically say, well, you know, I'm going to call the school, you know, which is fine if you need to do that. Even with us recently with her her wrist, you know, I didn't immediately call the school and say, why why didn't you call me? I did have, I did, I, I won't tell you I didn't have a moment of pause there to think, mm, that's kind of strange. But then I realized as I was talking to her, she didn't bring it to anyone's attention. 
And then later, one of the teachers that uh, even said, you know, we asked her, you need to go to the office during PE. And she's like, I'm good. I'm just going to sit out. So having, you know, really listening to your child gives you a, a bigger picture of what's happening. And it may take over several days to get the whole situation. So talking about what happened, um, you know, start out small, I would say, when you're thinking about self-advocacy. We can't do it all at one time. It really is a skill. It's going to take a while for your child to learn the skill, and it's going to feel weird and awkward at first. It is, especially if your child is quiet or shy or introverted. It's going to feel kind of strange because they don't want to draw attention to themselves. They don't want to ask. They want to just figure it out. So I would share with the teacher and then check in with them to see how it's going in a few weeks as you start one of these skills. So there were a few things, though, I wanted to, to kind of finish up with and share with you about the fractured wrist. We learned that we've got to really listen to her and listen to you and let her share what happened. And so I spent a lot of time that Friday afternoon really listening and saying, OK, well, tell me a little bit more about that. Share with me what's going on. And even when we ended up that evening at urgent care, you know, nurses, doctors, everybody wants to know how this little kid got a fractured wrist, right? That's like a, a lot of red flags for people. And so in, my instinct would be, as a type A mom, <laughs> to go ahead and just tell the doctor, this is what's going on. But what I kind of reserved and, and held myself back a little bit, I had her explain. So they would ask her a question, what happened? She would immediately look, look to me and I would say, they're asking you, you know, can you share with the doctor what's going on? She talks very quietly. So she's just a, a soft spoken person. And so I had to kind of nudge her, you know, speak up a little bit. And then as she needed my support, I would help with that. You know, it actually PEs at 10 in the morning. You know, it's been several hours, you know, timeline things, trying to help the, help the uh, doctors out there. But as they initially had the conversation, a lot of them did look to her. Uh, she's five, two and a half. So she looks like, you know, a pretty big kid. Like she's kind of, you know, she should be able to have these conversations. And I think looks can be deceiving there. But I wanted to give her the opportunity to try to explain that. And so on Monday, we went for the follow-up to the orthopedic uh, physician. I had her again, you know, when he's asking what happened, I said, hey, why don't, why don't you try to explain that to him? And so she, she it wasn't great, right? But she did the best she could. And I think it was a good learning experience for me to be there supporting her, but her also have the opportunity to voice, this is what's happening. And then, like I said a few minutes ago, from there, I followed up with the school. We talked about a plan of how to go forward, helping her with more self-advocacy in the classroom, things we can do at home. And so, you know, at home, we've we've talked um, about what we do next. Like, what do you do next time you're injured at school? What do you do next time when you need help? And so we're able to talk through those outcomes. So, you know, what are the pros and cons? What if, what if you had not asked, what if you don't ask for help next time? You know, and so we talked, you know, we could talk about with our children and we did about what would happen if you don't ask for help. So in this instance, we weren't able to get to the orthopedic uh, physician sooner. We could have seen him Friday afternoon had she called me that morning. And so we had conversations about that. And so we also talked about the pros. And so when we looked at both sides of if you had asked for help, what would have been the outcome? What would have been the best and the worst scenario? So she could see the worst scenario really wasn't bad, right? Just for asking for help. But giving her space to process that was very helpful. So what I would say that you should do this week, 
is pick one self-advocacy skill that you're seeing at home that you can help your child with. Just one. And I would say practice this with your child for the rest of this semester. Let your child's teacher know that you're working on this at home and ask for their support at school. So it could be anything, really. It could be asking to get water. It could be going to see the nurse. It could be um, asking for, you know, clarification on their agenda. You know, it could be, you know, whatever it is that you want them to do for self-advocacy. It could be, you know, um, raising their hand in class to answer a question. Um, you know, you think it through as to, and if you need to incorporate your your tribe and your team and talk to your teachers about, I really would like to start working on some self-advocacy skills with my child. I need help identifying those. They'll be able to help you with those. You can even ask your child, you know, what what is something you would like us to work on? And then you can role play that at home. You can ask questions and try to prepare them for, you know, well, what, what happened if you did or didn't ask for help in something? Maybe it's that they need additional time to uh, complete an assignment that they're not getting completed at school. Well, how can they go about advocating for that? How do they go about advocating when they need more time or they need uh, additional instruction? As far as, you know, on a, let's say uh, they're not clear on the directions or they don't have time to copy from the board. You know, if you think about you probably recently, this is a time period that people start having parent teacher conferences. So what has come up at parent teacher conference that you need to be working on at home? That could be an advocacy skill that your child can learn. I would pick just one and then let your teacher know you're working on it so she or he can support you at school. Talk to your child about it. Say, we're going to work on this. And then work on it through January. And in January, check with your teacher and say, hey, can you tell a difference? Do you see that there is, are we making progress here? And you're going to have to remind your child when to use it and how to use it. So you're going to have to give them examples. And if you want to have more conversation about today's podcast episode, I would love for you to join our Facebook group. We have a private Facebook group. It's Dyslexia Mom Life Podcast Community. I'll have a link in the show notes, but you can go there and uh, ask to get in the group. It's no charge. And then if you want to talk about this, I would love to see some dialogue in there. We have amazing parents and moms in there and advocates and just a very supportive community. I, if you're in my community already, thank you. You are an amazing support system. But I would love to, you know, if you want to get in there and ask a question about, you know, I'm trying to figure out what my self-advocacy skill can be that I help my child with. What is, well, rather theirs, not yours, right? But helping identify that self-advocacy skill. Great opportunity to get in there and kind of brainstorm with some other like-minded moms. And if you enjoyed today's podcast episode, if you could take just a minute right now to rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts, I would appreciate it so much. That gives parents and, and others that are looking for podcasts about dyslexia uh, validation that this is a great podcast to listen to and that you're enjoying it. I've already seen so many amazing uh, podcast reviews, and I read each and every one of them, and I sincerely appreciate your feedback and your time to do those, and I just appreciate you listening and continuing to be part of our community. So remember, you got this. Have a great week.